you want to take your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Matthew chapter 26. We're going to be looking at verses 36 through 46. Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 through 46. Let me just share this with you. I believe with all of my heart that if you'll listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit today, as we look at his word, that you will be able to find information and truth that will relieve a lot of the frustration that you experience in your walk with God. Let me just say it again. I think if you'll listen closely, that some of the frustration that you may be experiencing in your walk with God will be changed as you begin to have a change of heart, as your mind begins to change, and as your thinking begins to change, as from what we read today. Matthew chapter 26, today we're talking about the cross, a place of surrender. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time and prayed. My father, I want you to notice the difference in his prayer. If it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time saying the same thing. My father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. That's what he prayed before. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near. The son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Father God, I pray that you would add a blessing to the reading of your word. Pray, Lord, that you'd give us ears to hear what the spirit of the Lord would say to us. Lord, I pray that today would just be a place of divine encounters, where as we come into this worship facility, into this sanctuary, needing to hear from you, I pray, God, that we would be able to say beyond a shadow of a doubt that I heard what God wanted to speak to my heart today because I had ears to hear and and God was speaking and I'm listening. Well, thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. We've been doing a whole series this year on the cross training, a year of transformation. I want you to understand this, that the cross is a place of surrender. The cross and surrendering are not easy things. It goes completely against everything within us, this idea of surrender. Now Jesus, the God-man, the perfect son of God, surrendered himself to the will of the Father. But I want you to notice that what he did before he was able to surrender himself to the will of the Father... And go to the cross. I want you to notice that he gets all of his friends together. And he takes his three most 
dependable, intimate friends that he has, and he says, come with me. I want you to pray with me. Would you just pray with me? What does his friends end up doing? Well, his friends end up taking a nap. Jesus is, he's depending on him. He's waiting upon them. Jesus goes on. We find that he prays and the writer of the gospel records what Jesus says. The first time that he prayed, he said, Father, if there's any other way, if we can do anything else so that I don't have to drink of this cup, let's do it. But not my will. Yours be done. Obviously, God spoke to him and he knew what the will of the Father was. The second time that he prayed, his prayer was, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away from me unless I drink it, may your will be done. The very Son of God, God incarnate, prayed three times the will of the Father would be accomplished in his life. The writer of Luke In Luke chapter 2, Luke's a physician, and he has a little more descriptive in his account. He says that after Jesus prayed, an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and ministered to him. That's what Luke records. So Jesus had the father understood that the anguish and the pain that Jesus was going through. So he sent an angel from heaven to come down and to minister to him. The writer of Luke also gives us another descriptive term. He says that Jesus was in such anguish about going to the cross. He was in such anguish that he sweat. What did he sweat? Drops of blood. He sweat as it were drops of blood. Now, I want you to understand this. If Jesus sweat drops of blood in preparation for the cross... If Jesus was in such anguish that God the Father saw it necessary to send an angel from heaven to minister to him and to strengthen him, if Jesus, the perfect son of God, prays three times, not my will, but yours be done, if Jesus calls for his best friends and practically begs and pleads with them, would you please pray, watch and pray with me? Do you think, if he faced that challenge, do you think that you and I may face a challenge when it comes to surrendering to the will of God? Do you think that surrendering to the will of God is always going to be easy and always a cakewalk? If you think it is, my friend, you're mistaken. Because when God calls us to surrender to him, to take up our cross and follow him, there's times where that is a very agonizing process. Now, here's the reality. Most of us are never going to be called upon to die a martyr's death. I'm not saying that you won't, but the vast majority of us will not be called upon to die a martyr's death, to be beaten for the cause of Christ. And yet we still face that challenge of surrendering to the will of God. If you find it hard surrendering your will to his, if you find it hard denying yourself, You're not alone. However, it's imperative that you and I learn to surrender our wills to the will of God. On Wednesday, we did the first part of this message. Let me share with you a few highlights from that message on Wednesday. 
We said this, we said that the cross is not something that you have to bear. The cross is a choice. Jesus had a choice. He did not have to do that. He chose to do the will of the Father. The cross is something that you choose. And when Jesus tells us to take up our cross, he's not just talking about resigning ourselves to unavoidable situations and circumstances that you can't avoid and that you have no choice about. He's calling you instead to make a choice about the Father's will and your life. There are things that we submit ourselves to out of the will of God or within the will of God. Let me say it that way. We choose to do his will. And Jesus knew that the will of the Father included the cross. And so he continually kept moving in that direction, kept moving towards the cross. And you remember when Jesus started telling his disciples about this, how did they respond? They're like, no way. They tried to pull him aside. In fact, some of his disciples even rebuked him as he spoke about the cross. And what does Jesus say to him? Peter, get behind me, Satan. You don't know what you're saying. As we go on, in John chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus said, For I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. When we talk about the cross in our lives, what we're talking about is releasing your will and your choices to God. So that Jesus Christ can live his life through you. Philippians chapter 2 Verse 5, it says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. And then it goes on to talk about how Jesus, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. It took on the form of a servant. What Paul is writing to the church at Philippi is he's saying, I want you to have that same mindset. I want you to have that same attitude that your heart longs to do the will of the Father. When we talk about taking up your cross, I know that people have all kinds of weird ideas. Some of you may think that somehow God is going to call you. Please don't misunderstand me. If that's what God has people to do, you know, I know there's guys who will carry a cross across the country and things like that. And, And if that's what God calls you to do, then surely go ahead and do that. But probably most of us will not be called upon by God to walk around carrying a literal cross. When Jesus talks about taking up your cross, denying yourself and following him, the cross is really the will of God for your life. Whatever God's will is for your life is the cross that you're to take up. Whatever God's plan is, whatever God's dictates are, is God's will for your life. That's what you are to take up. In the same way, when he asks you to take up our cross and follow him, what he's asking us to do is to yield our will to God's will and to exchange our yoke for his yoke. In the cross... We see the love of God displayed towards sinners. And when you see what Jesus did for you, is there anything that he would ask you to do that is too much? 
We spoke about on Wednesday night, we spoke about a leadership principle. A leadership principle would be you don't ask people, others to do what you're not willing to do. It's really hard to serve somebody when they ask you as a leader, they ask you to do something, but they're not willing to do it themselves. And so what we would like to encourage you to do is to look at Jesus' example The sacrifice he made and the price that he paid was a great price. There's nothing that he would ask of us that would be too great. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. You'll notice you're going to hear that again and again. You're going to hear that, that we might live through him, that he might live through us. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. To be able to surrender to God and to have the cross be a place of surrender, we must learn to trust God's wisdom and his love for us. All of us would probably say that God loves us. If you've been in Sunday school as a child, I'm sure that one of the first things that we teach in the nursery is that God loves you. It's one of the very first principles that we teach are the babies or the little children of the church. And one of the things we want to develop in there is an atmosphere where when a child comes in that they feel loved and that they feel cared for and they feel special and valuable. Okay? Now, so we understand this. We understand that that's a very basic principle. God loves us. God wants the best for us. So we need to learn to adapt to his ways. Each directive that God gives to us is an expression of his perfect love and his will for us and the entire world. God leads you. Through his will, the things that God, the directives he provides for you are with perfect knowledge of every factor in your life. God knows everything about your past. There's nothing that's hidden from him. God knows all about your past. He knows why it's hard for some of you to trust. He knows why it's difficult for some of you to become vulnerable. He knows why it's hard for some of you to obey because he knows everything about your past. He knows everything about the present. When God gives you a directive, when his word guides us, he can see everything. He can see the situations on your job. He understands, you know those reasons that you give him why you can't? And if you give God reasons why you can't, well, Lord, if my, if my marriage situation was different than I could, if my family situation was different than I could, if my job situation was different than I could, if the economy was different than I could, if my ministry was different, if the people around me were different than I could, God knows and takes into consideration everything, every factor that impacts your life in the present. And beyond that, he holds your future in his hand. He knows absolutely every detail of your life. The Bible tells us that he even has the hairs on our head numbered. For some people, that's easier than others. But he has the very hairs on our head 
numbers. The Bible says that when a sparrow falls, the Bible says that a sparrow doesn't even fall from heaven without him having knowledge of that. So God knows about your past, he knows about your present, and he knows about your future. When he gives you a command, his will also is accompanied by his presence and the power to carry out that directive in your life. One of the things that I tell people when someone gets saved, one of the very first things that I share with them is this. The first time that God speaks to you is the easiest time to obey. It will never get any easier than the first time. So if God speaks to you about an attitude, the first time he reveals that to you, that's when you want to obey. You ever notice that like some people's kids, when you give them a directive, you say, hey, it's time to go to bed. Like a lot of times they think that's kind of like optional. Or maybe you're making a suggestion about something they may want to think about in the future. Any of you see that before? With God, when he speaks, he wants us to listen. It doesn't get easier. The longer you delay, the harder it gets to obey. The longer you wait, the more difficult it becomes. It will never be easier than the first time. The way that you respond to God reveals what you believe about him. When God's will is made known to you, when God reveals his will to you, the way that you respond to that tells us everything about what you believe about God. Well, no, pastor, I love him. I trust him. I know he's full of wisdom and full of grace. No, when we don't obey, when we don't listen, our actions say something else. And a lot of times we won't really take the time to look at it and see actually what is going on in our lives. Why is it that it's hard to surrender? Once you know God's guidelines, once you know his will, then our response, whatever we do next, is either sin or righteousness. We are either rebels or obedient. Either we take up our cross or we reject the cross. What does your response to God's will reveal about what you believe? See, there's a lot of us who we don't think that God will take care of us. No, pastor, I know that God will always take care of me. Then why don't you do what he says? Well, we say that we know that God is all wisdom and that God has my best interest at heart. But may I suggest to you that whenever we know his will and we refuse to do it, it says something about what we believe. Because if we really believe that God is all wisdom, then surely we would do it. If we really believe that I can trust God, then we would. Would you rather follow your own best thinking for your life? Or would you rather follow God's best purposes? Now, real quickly, we're going to talk about the difficulty of surrender. To surrender is to deny yourself and to say no to what you want and yes to the will of God. I shared in the first service, that great theologian, Bob Dylan, said this in his song. He said, you're going to serve somebody. It might be the devil or it might be the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody. A lot of people say, you see, it's a choice 
of who is Lord of your life. Either through obedience or through disobedience, you're saying who has the right to rule and reign in your life. When you know the revealed will of God and you refuse to do it, you're saying no to Christ's lordship in your life. And a lot of times people say, well, I want to be free. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. But when you don't serve the Lord, you're serving the flesh. You're serving the devil. You are saying that I would rather the flesh be my master than for Christ to be my master. When you find yourself in a situation in your life that's difficult to surrender to God, I want to encourage you to come before the Lord honestly and to tell him of your need. We need to say, Lord, I find it so difficult to give up whatever it is that you have a difficulty giving up. And Lord, I need you to live your life through me. Lord, would you change me? Lord, would you change my will? Would you change my desires? And ultimately, as we go back to that, it really comes down to this question. Who has the right to reign in your heart? Who has that right? Who has the right to rule your life? The reality of it is, is according to scripture, you and I have been bought with a price. That we've been purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. Because of that, he has full right to your life and mine. And that is why some people are in such deep frustration in their walk with God. It's like there's this miscommunication. It's like there's always this confusion because you don't know who has the right to command your life. I'll tell you this. This is something I've learned in my personal life. I've never had an area in my personal life that I've yielded to God that didn't turn out many times better. There is no area in my life, no matter how difficult it was to surrender to God, that when I surrendered it to God, that he didn't give me back something so much better. There's no place in my life that I've surrendered to God where I don't have peace. Isn't that ironic? I can't think of any place in my life where I've said, Jesus, rule and reign in this place. You have a right to tell me what to do. I can't think of any place in my life that I've truly done that where I don't have peace. May I suggest to you that if you examine your heart, that the places where you find frustration and discouragement and where you're just in turmoil in your heart, may I suggest to you that those are some of the places that perhaps God is putting his finger on and he's saying, let me rule and let me reign in this part. Many of us would like to skip the cross and go right to the day of Pentecost. Like this idea of how many of you would like to see the power of God displayed? Like, yes. How many of you would like to see God's blessings and God's favor poured out? It's like, yes. How many of you would like to have revival in your heart? And it's like, or in our community. And we would all say, yes, I would desperately love to see and experience that. However, for there to be a day of Pentecost, there had to first be a cross. Jesus said, it's good that I'm going away. Because, and it's good that I'm going to suffer. 
Because if I go away, I'm going to send you the comforter, the Holy Spirit, and he is going to guide you into all truth. But he had to experience the cross for the Holy Spirit to be poured out and for the Spirit to come. For us, many of us want to avoid suffering and go right to spiritual power and blessings. But the cross must come first. Denying yourself must come first. Jesus teaches this principle that if you suffer with him, you will also do what? You'll reign with him. Huh. I want to just go to the reign and Lord, forget the suffering, forget the cross. I don't want to experience that. I just want all the blessings that come at the end. You don't get them if you don't go through the cross. You don't experience the reigning if you don't experience the training that goes in with suffering. Third point, real quickly, the path to surrender. Listen to this portion of scripture. Jesus teaching about the way to life, to true life. He says, small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. May I suggest to you today that the path to surrender is not a heavily traveled road. There's not a lot of traffic jams on the path to surrender. In fact, many times, it's a very lonely road. You don't see a lot of other people on that road. It's not the road that many believers choose. I want to say that again. It's not the road that many believers choose. And perhaps... That's why so many are frustrated in their walk with God. Because we say, I don't think I want to go that road. I don't know that I want to go down that way. Perhaps that's why many are not experiencing the victory and the power that's in the cross. Some of you sitting here today may be frustrated in your relationship with God. Maybe saying, well, I don't know if this works. Pastor, you've been talking all this time about the power of the cross, and I don't know if it works because in my personal life, in my personal experience, I just find a lot of frustration. May I suggest a possible diagnosis to the problem? A lack of surrender. An unwillingness to deny yourself. Are you still holding on to your rights? Dead men don't have rights. The scripture says, consider yourself dead to sin. We've talked before with the rites of passage. We talked with people. The only time the Bible talks about rights is when people are denying their responsibilities. If we're taking on our responsibilities, we don't have to worry about rights. Did you know that? When it talks about the rights of this or that, when Paul talked about his right as an apostle, when he talked about his right as an apostle to the Corinthians, the reason why he talked about that right was because the Corinthians were not carrying out their responsibilities. Are you still holding on to all of your rights? If you want this relationship with God to function as it should, if you want to find true life, remember what Jesus said? He said, the guy who tries to save his life, what's he going to do? He's going to lose it. Well, what if I try harder to save my life? What if I'm a little more diligent about trying to save my life? No. 
Jesus teaches that the guy who tries to save his life is going to lose it. But the guy who loses his life for Christ's sake will find it. It's so weird. It goes against everything that we know and that we understand. But if you want your relationship with God to function as it should, you and I need to surrender ourselves unconditionally to Jesus' right to be Lord of your life. We no longer live for ourselves, but we live for him who died for us and who rose again for us. I want to ask you this question as we get ready to conclude. Are you willing to be one of the few? It says, narrow is the road. Are you willing to be one of the few who says, not my will, but yours be done, so that you can experience the life that God intended for you? May I suggest to you, try it. What do you have to lose? Some of you who would say today, Pastor, I'm so frustrated in my relationship with God. Something doesn't seem to be working. Try surrendering to him. What do you have to lose? Once again, the principle of the word says that whoever tries to save his life is going to lose it. But whoever loses his life for Christ's sake will find it. Who has the right to your life? Who owns it? To whom do you belong? And what does your response say about what you believe? When you know the will of God and you refuse to do it, what does it say about what you believe about Jesus? What does it say about what you believe about his will? As we conclude today, I just want to give you that call. Before we leave, I want to bring you to this point. What are you going to do with the will of God in your life? When you know what his will is and it's been revealed to you, remember Jesus appears to Saul whenever he was Saul. And he said, you know, why are you kicking against the goads? What are you going to do with the will of God in your life? As we conclude... Father God, I thank you today for our time together. And I ask you, Lord, that in Jesus' name, that you would lead us and guide us. I pray, Lord, for the ability to surrender to your will. Lord, I know that's what's going to bring peace in people's lives. I know that's what's going to bring comfort into their families. I know that's what's going to bring satisfaction and fulfillment. And we ask you today, Lord, for the places in our lives that we have such a hard time trusting you with. The ones that maybe for years we've tried to work out and tried to make work, and it doesn't ever seem to work. I ask you, Lord, that you would teach us to surrender our will to you. I pray, Lord, that you would give us faith to trust you, to believe that you do love us and that you do know what's best for us and that if we really surrender our lives or that portion of our life to you, that you can be trusted in Jesus' name.